This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello and welcome back to the Laravel News Podcast. We have a couple news items to talk about today, but before we do, wanted to take just a couple minutes to talk about what we're hoping that the next couple weeks, uh, or actually I suppose the next couple episodes of the Laravel News Podcast leading up to Laracon are going to look like. So Michael, do you want to just take a quick minute to explain to our listeners kind of what we're hoping to do in the coming weeks? Yes. Yeah, so what you and I and, and Eric had spoken about probably a little while ago and we're now kind of late to the party but we're we're putting a schedule together is that we're going to start interviewing a number of different I think probably five or six speakers that we'll get to before Laracon US this year um, and what what we want to do is sort of go through our I guess our standard interview format with them you know find out a bit about them get them to introduce themselves talk a bit about what they do what their talk is going to be about and then what, what we're hoping to do is to put together a little playlist, which we'll share on Spotify with probably two or three songs from each speaker, you know, just so you can get a bit of a, a, a playlist for yourself as you make the journey for those of you who are going to Laracon. Um, so something to listen to and just a little bit of engagement. So the thing that I'm most looking forward to about this, aside from obviously chatting to all their speakers, is that the last scheduled episode that we have, I'm actually going to be in Chicago at the time so yes which is only about two hours from me yes so i'm really hoping that we can make it work that jake and i actually get to do an episode sitting face to face and we'll probably try and get a couple of speakers on and just do them like back to back so fingers crossed that all pans out um but we'll have a schedule together did you Jake, I know you love saying his name and you've learnt now. Did you wanna did you wanna let us know who our first speaker is going to be? Uh okay. I was given a tip on this. Uh so I was told to say it like Drake, the singer, but with an F. So Frake. There we go. He's yes. got it. Even roll the R. Yeah. Roll the so R. We were gonna like actually a boss. have we were gonna have Freak on today. That's what we were hoping to do, but uh he's kind of got some other things that he was tied up with and we couldn't make it work for this episode so we're hoping to have him on next episode and uh you know the thing is really at these at these conferences and and these talks they have enough time to get up on the stage and give their talk maybe a really quick intro uh but you don't really get to know a lot about the people unless you do some research on your own or unless you're already following them or or whatever so i like this format just because we'll be able to get to know the speakers a little bit before we get there uh get to hear a little bit of their background and then get to hear their talks so yeah should be great should be great. Yeah, looking forward to it. Well, we had, uh, since last time we were on, we've had a couple point releases for Laravel. 5.4.18 is now released. Okay, everyone, Michael and I have actually spent the last five minutes tearing this apart. We've been looking at the change log here, and we're trying to figure out what this nested resource model controllers thing is that made it into the 5.4.18 release. And so we think we've got it figured out. So we're going to try and share it with you here. So let's say the situation is that you have a nested resource. So for example, you have a client and you also have a document. These are both their own models. So you have a client model, you have a document model, but you also have a nested resource, which would be a document that belongs to a client. So your structure might look something like 
myapp.com slash client slash, and then you'd have your client ID and then slash document and then slash your document ID. This is sort of one way that you could structure your URLs if you're trying to access a nested resource. So what that would do is that would grab client one maybe and document one. So any, that document that belongs to that client. So this what this what this pretty much allows you to do is to quickly make a resourceful controller from your command line using these two models. So you would say PHP artisan make controller and then the name of your controller. So in this case, maybe client document controller. And then you can set the resource that you would be accessing and then the parent that would be the parent, you know, the first one of those resources, I suppose you would call it. So uh, in this case, client would be that parent and document would be that resource. And really, the thing that Michael and I were struggling with was we were trying to figure out what exactly it is that this command is doing, if it was just generating a controller for you or what it does. I think what we've discovered is that this will handle the implicit route model binding portion for you. So in your controller method, you can pass in a type hinted model for your client and a type hinted model for your document. And if you structure your URLs, as uh, was just mentioned previously, it will auto load in those resources by the time you're into your controller method. So it will auto resolve them. Uh, it will look up uh, model by whatever is set uh, on its key. What Michael, what's that attribute that it looks up a, a model by? Yeah, the get key name or get route key name, sorry. Get route key name. So it will try and do a find or fail based on what that route key name is on your model. And then we'll return those to your controller for you all nice and tidy without you having to do any lookups inside your controller method themselves. So I'm not sure that I'll ever use it. It might be something that I would rather kind of do myself. I might be more comfortable doing it myself. But if not, if you've not used nested resources before, and you want to just kind of play around with it, see how uh, you might structure it if you were following strictly by the book. Uh, this might be something you'd want to check out. Yeah, for sure. Sorry about that long rambling explanation there. Uh, we've actually just been trying to figure it out here. So that's that's the best we got. There is, of course, a, a blog post on, on Laravel News, which you can refer to if none of that made any sense to you. <laughs> which it may not have. In addition to 5.4.18, we also had a 5.4.19 release come out on the 16th. And really kind of the highlights for that are that we just have a couple new macroable classes. So Mailer is now macroable and the Session Guard is now macroable. Uh, there's a couple of smaller changes that you could check out, but uh, those are the kind of ones that I'd be most interested in. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know what the macroable means, uh, it basically is a implementation on, a, on any given class that allows you to specify, usually within an app service provider somewhere, the ability to define methods on the fly in your application. So if you wanted to extend, say, the mailer in some way to add a new method to it, but you didn't feel that it was something that needed to be added to the framework itself, or you, if it was just a once-off thing, you can basically define a uh, this in your service provider. So you would go mailer colon colon macro, and then you would pass it the name of the function that you'd like to call. And then you'd pass the second argument would be a closure that would uh, you know do whatever it is that you needed to do. So that way you can call directly on the mailer your new method without having to you know dig in and try and override the framework methods. 
Absolutely. And I mean, there's a number of these classes that are macroable now. I believe the first one that was macroable was either the request class or the collection class. One mm. of those two. But I know that both of those, those two right there, I think are probably the most popular ones that actually get macroed. Actually, or is it, there's also, uh, is the database macroable? Eloquent is not, no. I don't know if the query builder is. That's what I was trying to figure out if query builder was. I think there's something with that. I think there's something with that. I'll have to look that up and get back to you. But request and collections are macroable. And there is actually Freik, our guest for next week, has a whole bunch of macros for the collection class, which you can pull in through a package. And there are a lot of really handy ones in there that might not be, you know, they're not obviously included in the default Laravel stuff, but they're pretty handy methods there. I want to check those out. Yeah. We can link those up in the show notes. You are correct. The query builder is macroable. Okay, perfect. Uh, another thing that we have is that Laravel 5.5 is going to have front-end presets. So since Laravel 5.3, the framework has shipped with, we'll say, optional bootstrap and Vue.js scaffolding, but it's it comes out of the box like that. So we can say optional, but really it comes with them set up and then you can remove them if you'd like. But we have, you know, Laravel being an opinionated framework, which, which is totally fine, has decided that Vue is, is the way they kind of want it to go. Well, there's a few people in the community that really enjoy using React. So uh, Samantha Geitz, is it Geitz or Geitz? Geitz. Geitz. Samantha Geitz created a React preset. So you can say PHP Artisan preset React. And then that will replace the Vue.js scaffolding with React scaffolding which is pretty neat. Also, you can remove, remove Vue altogether and just keep Bootstrap if you'd like. So you have PHP Artisan preset Bootstrap. And then, of course, you can remove all of the scaffolding if you'd like, which is PHP Artisan preset None. So this really gives you a couple options for getting started with your Laravel application. You can start from scratch with no opinions as far as uh, front-end stuff is concerned and, and just remove it all. Or you can just stick with Bootstrap, or you can go with React, or you can go with Vue and Bootstrap. So uh, it's really nice that people are getting uh, some options for, for where they start. And uh, I think that'll be good for our community. Absolutely. Yeah. It makes it easy for those who don't want to use Vue or who are familiar, as you say, with React or they don't want to use Bootstrap. They just want to roll something from scratch. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with it moving forward. Whether, I mean, I don't really expect Taylor to maintain, you know, something for semantic UI and something for Boomer and so on and so forth, you know, for because there's so many different you know, CSS frameworks and different JavaScript frameworks, but it'd be cool to see if it'll become extendable in some way later on. Um, so, you know, people can easily hook into it and add their own at some point. I almost think it might. That would be interesting, almost like a macroable front-end preset. Yeah. Uh, where you can have a, a list of different types of presets that you would have out there and be community contributions. So you could start with Bulma or you could start with Beard CSS or you could start with uh, some of those different... CSS frameworks. And, um, you know, I suppose it's not really that difficult to get started with those yourself. But uh, if you just wanted to always have that preset that you could start your projects with, it'd be pretty cool if that did become something that you could add, add different things onto. Yeah, cool. One of the things that I'm really excited about in 5.5 that has just been announced as going to be released is custom exception reporting. Michael, do you want to tell us about how that works? Yeah, so... Jake and I were talking a little bit about this uh, before we started the show and there was a, a blog post that was put out a little while ago by, we both forgot who it was, but it was by Ross, Ross Tuck. Tuck. <laughs> yeah. So Ross put out this blog post back in 2015, which talks about 
formatting exception messages where you would have static methods inside your exception classes that you would pass in some relevant information and then you could you know really construct a, a useful explicit message in a you know formatted way that that makes sense to to present wherever you're going to be presenting those exception classes so that was one way of handling it and i think freik actually picked up on that and then started talking about it a little bit more last year so in laravel 5.5 it's going to be possible to define a report method on any of these exceptions that you you know define yourself and laravel will then look for the existence of this method on any class or on any exception that's thrown and if it exists it will return the result of that report method rather than bailing out to the default exception handler. So it's kind of convenient if you wanted to use that as a way to email a developer or to report to, um, you know, if you're using bug snag or anything like that, or if you wanted to carry out any other action when that exception is thrown. So in current, I guess we will say previous for the, the perspective of 5.5, but in, in any current version of laravel is possible to achieve the same thing by editing the report method in your apps exception handler class Um, and you could look for specific things but as you can imagine it gets tedious as your application grows and you add more exceptions and things like that so the one thing that that i had bumped on when i was speaking with jake about it earlier was that with and we'll link this up in the show notes ross's post but the way that it was done was that you would have a generic sort of exception for a behavior or a, I I guess, a section of your application. And then you would have well-defined names of methods within that. So it read very nicely when you were, you know, going through the code base. So if you're going to use the report, you would probably then have one exception for each instead of, you know, one exception that would have maybe two or three different methods inside it. I guess it doesn't really matter. It's the same same argument as having lots of controllers in your application. So that is true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like when this is most useful is when you do need to perform some action on your end, that would be outside of what you would do for a normal exception. So um, really, instead of, you know, instead of having to do a bunch of if checks or a switch in your handler.php class in your Laravel application, it gives you a little more granularity by being able to define that on the exception itself, what it should do for the report. And uh, it's not just returning the message, right? It's actually, instead of calling the report method on the handler.php class, it will run this instead of that. So if, for instance, you wanted to normally report to bug snag or sentry or whatever, but for a certain specific type of message, it's not necessarily worthy of going to one of those, but you want to know about it. You need a Slack message or something like that. For instance, I have an app that requires that a person, when they sign up, have a manager in our building. And so I don't want the application to crash and burn and fail. I can still continue if they don't, but I need to know about it pretty quickly. And so in those instances, uh, I would want to give myself a Slack message and say, hey, just heads up. Uh, you need to go add this manager in the database table and, and then you should be all set. So as long as I know about it, that's fine. But I don't really want it thrown to Sentry. It's not necessarily an error. It's just something that I need to handle on my end. And so this would be a good case where I could use something like that. I make a custom exception, make a report method on that exception, and then I won't have to check for it in my, in my report uh, method on my handler class. So yeah. pretty useful stuff. Yep, definitely. Awesome. So Jake... 
We all know how much you love PHP Storm, and I do, I do. We we all know how much you like Adam Wabin's uh, Sublime Text helpers for running unit tests. So there is a post I think that maybe even you discovered that's now found its way onto onto the Laravel News site, which talks about doing a very similar thing inside PHP Storm. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yes, I absolutely do want to talk about this. There's a guy out there. His name is Jonathan Williamson, and he emailed me after we had had a recent show and talked about you know, exactly what you said. Adam Wathen has this way to run tests really quickly using Sublime. And I wanted to be able to do the same in PHP Storm. And I was under the impression that the only way that you could do that was to actually go over to the test and right-click it and run uh, the test from there. So you can run it from PHP Storm, but I was not aware that you could assign it to a keyboard shortcut. Well, you can. So you have to set up your uh, PHP unit in your PHP Storm, uh, which is not super complex, but there's a, there's a couple things you have to do with that. And once you have that set up, then you can assign it to a keyboard shortcut and you can run the entire class of your tests, or you can just run a single method in that test class. So depending on where your cursor is, if your cursor is outside of uh, one of the tests, then it will run all of them when you press your keyboard shortcut. If it is in the, I believe it's if it's in the method name, if your cursor is on or in the string of the method name and you press the shortcut, it will run just the test for that single method. So um, I've used it a couple times. I I don't have the keyboard shortcut yet set up to do to do it straight from there. I've just been, uh, I got PHP unit set up in my PHP Storm this last week and I've used it manually a couple times. I've got to do the key binding and then I'm going to be a happy camper. So uh, yeah, pretty cool. There's a little video out there that Jonathan made to walk you through uh, getting set up with that. It's like, it's like a, yeah, it's a one and a half minute video. So it's pretty easy to set up and uh, definitely useful. So there you go, all of you people who hate PHP Storm and are always telling me how much better Sublime is. <laughs> we've, got an, we've got another equalizer here. All right. That's enough out of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, consequent, consequently, Freke is also a PHP Storm user. So I'm going to have to start finding Sublime Text users. To we're going to have two on, on one. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have two <laughs> on one next week or next episode. Use whichever editor makes you happy. That's right. Absolutely. I mean... That some people use uh, a Visual Studio is a really is a really popular one right now too, right? Or is it called is that what it's called Visual yeah, Studio? Visual Studio Visual Code? Code, I think VSC. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of JavaScript developers have been jumping on that. I know, but uh, I've seen some of the folks in our community trying it out as well. So, man, there's there's a lot of great editors out there. Thank goodness it used to be uh, Notepad plus plus was the only one around. You yeah. know, it was the only way you could get any sort of highlighting or anything. And now we've got a million of them. So, definitely thankful for that. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about FBAR and we had talked about the release of the Forge API. And so FBAR is kind of built on top of that, it uses your API key to interact with uh, your Forge uh, account and then allows you to see your servers and upload SSH keys and directly SSH into the box, uh, all from your Mac toolbar. And so another tool that is very popular or has been really popular in the past is Alfred. I know there's a lot of people who still use it who absolutely love it. I am not an Alfred user, but I may have to try it out again after uh, we talk about this. So you can now manage your Forge servers straight from Alfred. So there is a number of workflows that have been created that will allow you to 
uh, very quickly do a couple commands. Uh, some of those, so some of those commands are forge open. So you can open the specified server or sites forge page right in your browser. I actually use something like this for GitHub from my command line where I say like GitHub repo and it will open the page of my repo that I'm in on the command line. So this, you just say forge open and then you, you type the name of the site that you're looking to get to the page for or the server and it will uh, intelligently figure out which one it is and it will take you to the page that you can manage that on straight in Forge. You can uh, trigger a deploy. Uh, you can get the contents of an ENV. You can get the IP of a server. You can reboot. You can get to MySQL. Most of the things that you can do through the API, you can do through one of these Alfred workflows. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of them and uh, we'll link that up in the show notes. So those of you who are Alfred users or those of you who have been looking for an excuse to get on Alfred, and try that out. I am wondering, however, are workflows only enabled for power users or for people who have purchased Alfred? Because Alfred is a free product. Yeah, that is a good question. I know that the, the workflows themselves are free. Yeah, so you do have to have purchased the Alfred app in order to get these. So I suppose this would probably be, this is probably geared more towards people who are already using Alfred. But hey, if you want to if you want to buy the Power Pack and try it out, of course you can do that as well. We're all about supporting software developers on here, so good for you. So have you ever found yourself in that spot where you love using Laravel, but you're now at the point where you really just kind of need a static site and you don't really want all the weight of Laravel sitting behind I say all the weight. Uh, you don't want the weight of Laravel sitting behind your static site. Well, a couple, I think it was a year ago, uh, or maybe, I think maybe a couple years ago, I'm trying to remember, but Adam Wathen had made a static site generator using Blade that is called Jigsaw. So it has been out for a while and uh, actually Adam created it, but since then Titan has picked up the maintenance and the development of that and they just tagged version 1.0. So Michael, do you want to tell us a little bit about the features kind of that they rolled out in 1.0 and uh, how we can use them? Yeah, so I mean, it was a pretty, pretty nice static site builder before. Um, and it sort of development went kind of quiet on it, which, you know, I mean, if you're not using it all the time, or if you're not actively participating, that that happens from time to time, especially if you're doing it as a, as a side piece. But um, now that they've tagged 1.0, they've added the the addition of collections. Now, these collections are not the same kind of collections that you think of in terms of the the package that's included as part of Laravel. What collections are in the context of Jigsaw is allowing you to work with lists of related content like blog posts or portfolios or you know biographies of staff and things like that. So this version obviously still is running on Blade. You know you can keep using that same syntax that you're familiar with from any of your your Laravel applications, but it is also paired with Markdown content that makes it really easy to get, um, you know, new content generated and uh, and then published onto your site. So, um, you know, it's basically been designed to be as simple as possible to use and implement, um, and it gives you a lot of power and a lot of flexibility in in you know creating some reasonably advanced sites. So, there is some more information and some examples on the website. Um, you know, obviously we're not gonna. We've, done, we've said this before, we're not going to read code out on the air. It doesn't help anybody. So we will certainly link it up in the show notes. Um, but there is some, uh, the addition of pagination as well in this new release and also some really creative um, ways of implementing variables and helpers via sort of config and, and the, the YAML front matter that's included in your blog post. 
so as I said, I won't I won't go into the code itself orally, but I will certainly make sure that they, the blog post is in the, the show notes for you to check out. And I encourage you to check out Jigsaw if you are interested in doing any blogging. Yep, for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything to add to that. That's good. <laughs> uh, it does utilize Gulp and Elixir behind the scenes as well, which is, uh, which is nice because uh, a lot of us are already familiar uh, with that as well. So you don't have to learn or set up another build tool for you know a, a different static site generator that you might be using. Basically, if Laravel is what you're really comfortable with, this is a great transition for you to a little static site generator because you're very familiar with Blade, which it uses. Uh, you're familiar with Gulp and Elixir, which it also uses. It's also got a jigsaw console command, which is kind of similar to what we have with PHP Artisan. So definitely worth checking out if you're looking for uh, something to use for static sites. And it's also maintained by one of the best Laravel shops around, Titan Co. So they're not going anywhere. They're going to be around to maintain this thing. So you know you've got feature support for future versions. And uh, if anything breaks, you, you can know you can count on them to kind of fix that stuff. So there we go. There we go. Excellent. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening today. Uh, if you like this episode, please feel free to rate it up five stars in iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Show notes for this episode will be located at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 36. If you have any questions for future episodes or would like to reach out to Michael or myself, feel free to hit us up on our Twitter accounts or at Laravel News on Twitter. And join us in a couple weeks to talk with Freik about uh, all the things that he's working on, what he's going to be talking a little bit about the, uh, at Laracon and get to know him a little bit better if you don't already know him. Awesome. Awesome. All right, mate. All right. Let's wrap this one up. Wrap it. Wrap it in paper. Stick a bow on it. We are done. <laughs> oh. uh, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try and come up with a different goodbye, a different language for every episode. Yeah, that's a great idea. And because I haven't planned this further ahead than just then, I'm going to stick with what I know, and that is Dovidzenia. And that is Polish. Dovidzenia. I wonder. So, Dovidzenia is goodbye in Polish. Dovidzenia. Until next time. Very nice. I like that. All right, dude. Sounds good. I'll let you go, my friend. Cheers. Have a good sleep. All right. Take it easy, bud. Bye. Thanks, bud. Bye.